chapters forty one and forty two of yon of the windmill this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org yon of the windmill by juliana horatia ewing chapters forty one and forty two chapter forty one the detective the duke jan stands by his mother's grave his after history as he had resolved the painter secured the help of the police in tracing jan's pedigree he did not take the bow-legged boy into his confidence but that young gentleman recognized the detective officer when he opened the door for him and he laid his finger by his snub nose with a wink of intense satisfaction on hearing the story the detective expressed his opinion founded on acquaintance with sal that george's pocket had been picked by his companions and not by chance thieves in the fair and he finally proved his sagacity in the guess by bringing the pocket-book and the letter to the artist with his mother's letter it had been written at mordick on her way to england before them jan and the artist were sitting when mr ford's client was announced and jan stood face to face with his father the gentle reader will willingly leave a veil over that meeting which the artist felt a generous shame to witness with less delicacy the bow-legged boy had lingered outside the door but when the studio rang with a passionate cry my son my son he threw his green baize apron over his head and crying the duke plunged downwards into the basement and shed tears of sympathy amongst the boots and bottles to say that lady adelaide forgave the past and received her husband's son with kindness is to do scant justice to the generous affection which he received from her with pity for her husband mingled painful astonishment that he should have trusted her so little but if the blow could never be quite repaired love rarely meets with its exact equivalent in faith or tenderness and she did not suffer alone she went with jan and his father to visit master lake and her gracious thanks to the windmiller for his care of her stepson gave additional bitterness to her husband's memories of the windmill it was she who first urged that they should go to holland jan's grandfather was dead mr ford's client could make no reparation there but the cousin to whom the old wooden house now belonged gave jan many things which had been his mother's amongst these was a book of sketches by herself and a collection of etchings by her great-grandfather a dutch artist and in this collection jan found the favourite of his childhood did the genius in him really take its rise in the old artist who etched those willows which he had once struggled to rival with slate-pencil his mother's sketches were far inferior to his own 
but with the loving and faithful study of nature which they showed perhaps too with the fact that they were chiefly gathered from homely and homelike scenes from level horizons and grey skies jan felt a sympathy which stirred him to the heart his delight in them touched lady adelaide even more than it moved his father but then no personal inconvenience in the past no long habits of suffering and selfishness blunted her sense of the grievous wrong that had been done to her husband's gifted son nor to him alone it was with her husband's dead wife that lady adelaide's sympathies were keenest the mother like herself of an only child mr ford's client went almost unwillingly to his wife's grave by the side of which her old father's bones now rested but jan and lady adelaide hastened thither hand in hand and the painter's pledge was redeemed since the old man died it had been little tended and weeds grew rank where flowers had once been planted jan threw himself on the neglected grave my poor mother he cried almost bitterly for a moment the full sense of their common wrong seemed to overwhelm him and he shrank even from lady adelaide but when kneeling beside him she bent her face as if the wind that sighed among the grass stalks could carry her words to ears long dulled in death my poor child i will be a mother to your son jan's heart turned back with a gush of gratitude to his good stepmother he had much reason to be grateful then and through many succeeding years when her training fitted him to take his place without awkwardness in society and her tender care atoned so she hoped for the hardships of the past the brotherly love between jan and d'arcy was a source of great comfort to her once only was it threatened with estrangement it was when they had grown up into young men and each believed that he was in love with amabel jan had just prepared to sacrifice himself and amabel with enthusiasm to his brother when d'arcy luckily discovered that he and the playmate of his childhood were not really suited to each other it was the case the conventionalities of english society in his own rank were part of d'arcy's very life but to amabel they had been made so distasteful in the hands of lady craikshaw that her energetic straightforward spirit was in continual revolt and it was not the least of jan's merits in her eyes that his life had been what it was that he was so different from the rest of the people amongst whom she lived and that the interests and pleasures which they had in common were such as the world of fashion could neither give nor take away withheld from sacrificing his affections to his brother jan joined with his father to cut off the entail of his property d'arcy is your heir sir he said i hope to live well by my art and god forbid that i should disinherit lady adelaide's son his great gift did indeed bring fortune as well as fame to our hero 
the boy's home knows this it has some generous patrons it should have many and first amongst them must rank the great painter who sometimes presides at its annual festival and is wont on such occasions pleasantly to speak of himself as an old boy more accurately entitled to that character is the bow-legged manservant of another artist jan's old master these two live on together and each would find it difficult to say whether pride and pleasure in the good luck of their old companion or the never-healed pain of his loss is the stronger feeling in their kindly hearts amabel was her father's heir and in process of time jan became the squire and went back to spend his life under the skies which inspired his childhood but his wife is wont to say that she believes his true vocation was to be a miller so strong is the love of windmills in him and so proud is he of his miller's thumb at one time mr ammaby wished him to take his name and arms but jan decided to keep his own and it is by this name that fame writes him in her role of painters and not by that of the old squires of ammaby nor by the name he bore when he was a child of the windmill chapter forty two conclusion a southwest wind is blowing over the plains it drives the messengers over the sky and the sails of the windmill and makes the dead leaves dance upon the graves it does much to dispel the evil effects of the foul smells and noxious gases which are commoner yet in the little village than one might suppose but it is a long time you see since the fever was here it shows the silver lining of the willow leaves by the little river and bends the flowers which grow in one glowing mass like some gorgeous eastern carpet on master swift's grave it rocks jan's sign in mid-air above the heart of oak where master shooter is waiting upon a newly arrived guest it is the man of business long has he promised to try the breezes of the plains for what he calls dyspepsia and the artist calls money grubbing on the brain but he never could find leisure until a serious attack obliged him to do so but at that moment the painter could not leave london and he is here alone he has not said that he knows jan for it amuses him to hear the little innkeeper ramble on with anecdotes of the great painter's childhood this ale is fine says the man of business i never can touch beer at home the painter's married you say he've been married these two year master shooter replies and they do say miss amabel have been partial to him from a child he come down here sir soon after his father took to him and he drawed out miss amabel's old white horse for her and the butler have told me sir that it hangs in the library now it be more fit for an inn sign certainly it be but the gentry has their whims sir and miss amabel was a fine young lady the squire's moral image she be affable and free quite different to her ladyship coffee sir no sir dine sir it be a fine evening sir if you'd like to see the church i'd be glad to show it you myself sir old solomon have got the key in the main street of the village even the man of business strolls there is no hurrying in this atmosphere it is a matter of time to find 
old solomon and of more time to make him hear when he is found and of most time for him to find the key when he hears but time is not money to the merchant just now and he watches the western sky patiently and is made sleepy by the breeze when at last they saunter under the shadow of the great church tower his eye is caught by the mass of colour out of which springs a high cross of white marble whose top is just flushed by the setting sun it is of fine design and workmanship and marks the grave where the great man's schoolmaster sleeps near his wife and child hard by master shooter shows the fever monument and the names of master lake's children and then as daddy solomon has fumbled the door open they pass into the church the east end has been restored the innkeeper says by the squire under the advice of his son-in-law and then they turn to look at the west window the new window the boast of the parish at which even old solomon strains his withered eyes with a sense of pride the man of business stands where jan used to sit the unchanged faces look down on him from the old window but it is not the old window that he looks at it is the new one the glory of the setting sun illumines it and throws crimson lights from the vesture of the principal figure like stains of blood upon the pavement it be the good shepherd master shooter explains but his guest is silent the pale-faced white-haired angels in the upper lights seem all ablaze and old solomon cannot look at them them sheep be beautiful whispers the innkeeper but the stranger heeds him not he is reading the inscription to the glory of god and impious memory of abel my dear foster brother i who designed this window dedicate it he shall gather the lambs into his arms End of chapters forty one and forty two End of yon of the windmill by juliana horatia ewing